Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 29th, 2016. Today we're reading from the big book, and we're in chapter more about alcoholism. We're going to begin on page 37 this morning, and we're going to be reading, the first reader will be reading the last paragraph, which begins, our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible. Okay, today's readers are the 12 Steps, Anne-Marie M., the 12 Traditions, Sandy L. The readers of our text are Du L., Santa H., and Katie F. Now, the reference number for yesterday, Sunday, special edition at 8.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which was on February 28, 2016, is 8.496. That's 84.96. And that was a focused presentation entitled Seeking Sobriety, Finding Serenity. Okay, our OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's, our sole purpose, our OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. This is Anne-Marie M., Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a, person, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, 
sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you, Anne-Marie M. I will now ask Sandy L. to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, everyone. This is Sandy L. currently in Arizona. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never to be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Sandy L. Okay, this is how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses, I'm sorry, yeah, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then please press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Okay, today we, um, today 
We're going to, uh, we're studying, and we start on page 37, and it's the very last paragraph that begins with, our behavior is as absurd, and I'm going to please ask, do L to please begin reading. Good morning. Our behavior is absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as the as that of an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. He gets the thrill out of skipping in front of a fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself a few years in spite of friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as foolish, chap, having clear ideas of fun. Love then deserts him, and he is slightly injured several times in, in succession. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out. Presently, he... He is hit again and this time has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks, he breaks both his legs. On through the years, his conduct continues, accompanied by his continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Finally, he can no longer work. His wife gets a divorce. He is held up to ridicule. He tries every known means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head. He shuts himself up in the asylum, hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? Um, you may think our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the ringer who have uh, to admit if we substituted alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. However, in intelligent we may have been in other respects, whether alcohol had been involved, we have been strangely insane. It's strong language, but isn't it true? <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Good morning. My name is uh, Du L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, really get a lot out of this uh, this illustration of the jaywalker because it describes me as a compulsive overeater. You know, how many times did I, you know, initially try to um, stay away from my binge foods, and you know, at, at first it seemed like I could control my, my binge foods, right? Like I didn't have the consequences of, you know, becoming overweight. I didn't have the consequences, you know, of having diabetes. I didn't have the consequences of getting cardiac arrest or, you know, or clogging up my arteries, having high blood pressure. I didn't have those consequences, you know. So I was you know, I felt like I could handle it, you know, like I could, I could uh, uh, be like this jaywalker, which was skipping about in, in fast moving cars, but, you know, didn't have the consequences of, of, you know, of, of being hurt, you know, initially, initially, because this is a progressive disease, it, it gets to you over time. And then he says, you know, love deserts him. And then he starts getting hit by these by the consequences. And that's what happened to me. You know, I, I was compulsive eating. I didn't have a lot of consequences initially, but eventually it started happening. You know, I started gaining weight. I started having health problems. I 
couldn't walk. I couldn't breathe that, that well. Um, you know, and yet I continue. That's the problem with the compulsive overeater, that even though we have consequences, we continue to binge. We continue to be like the jaywalker skipping uh, across those moving uh, fast vehicles. And then, you know, it also shows that, you know, those who have recovered, those who have gone through this, it is not ridiculous for them to think that this is a, a good illustration to describe the alcoholic compulsive overeater because we have a strange thinking. It's called a mental obsession. When I trigger my allergy, I go off to the races. I can't stop once I start. But the problem is when I put down my food, my mental obsession tells me you can, you can get away with it this time. You can justify it. You can excuse it. You can uh, make uh, fallacious reasonings around it, you know, and, and that's what always gets me, you know, to the point where, um, thank God, you know, I found a way out through these steps. But, you know, my end could have been like other people. You know, my mom has, because of her, her own addiction, she has uh, peripheral neuropathy, which is nerve damage because of diabetes. And eventually, the doctor already said that's going to be the end of her death and, um, unless she, she tries to do something. But even then, it's, it's too late for her. You know? But that would have been my outcome because that's what I would have inherited if I would have kept on this, this road. And um, so that's what I see from this. And with that, I pass. And thank you so much, Duell. Okay, um, who would like to comment on these three paragraphs? Mary Kay. Uh, for approximately three minutes. Okay. Larry. Got, I heard Mary. Was this Mary? is Raquel. All right, we're going to do one at a time if we can. The first one was sure. what? Mary? Mary who Kay. Was, okay, that's whom I heard. Okay, we have Mary Kay. I heard Larry. I think I heard Raquel. Did I? Mary Kay, Larry. Yes, indeed, I'm here. I'm never. This is yes. Bella. Can I share? Can we hear Bella? Yes. Uh, and who else? Oh. Mariana. Vasa O. And who else? Maureen. Maureen. Sylvia. Let's just do Maureen. we got plenty of time, so, you know, we can wait. All right. Let's start with Mary Kay, please, first. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. I'm Mary Kay, a grateful, recovered, compulsive eater just for today. And the absurd and incomprehensible part just takes me again to the, the twisted thinking that comes with the disease. And, and even after a period of time in recovery and with abstinence from my trigger foods, yesterday a friend posted a, a picture of something that is it's a notable um, food item that's regional that you can't get in any place else in the country and she posted with it countdown and the and I'm, I'm taking the time to share the story because it shows how absurd my thinking is because she lives in Texas and I'm in upstate New York so I said where can you get that in Texas and she said I can't and I said so are you here in New York? And then she's like, goodness, Mary Kay, no, I'm coming in July. You know that. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is how my thinking is so absurd because that picture of that food item in front of her as a food addict, I, the countdown is the number of seconds to dive into it. 
And and many, many times I have experienced neutrality, but then I'm humbled when when my twisted thinking comes back, and I'm just so grateful for these, this room and these programs. And um, and that's all I have to say this morning. So I have a wonderful afternoon day, everyone, and I pass. And thank you, Mary Kay. Okay, Larry Kay, you are up. Thanks, Janice. Uh, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader uh, from Chicago. So, um, you know, what occurs to me in, in the reading is just how, how powerful this obsession is, you know. And, um, you know, I mean, what is an obsession? I mean, an obsession is an, an idea or thought that continually preoccupies or intrudes on a person's mind. So it's this fixation that we can't get away from. And I like what you had to say about this, this obsession because that, that, that you know, re- really gets down to the crux of this issue here is this obsession that leads us back again and again. It's, uh, you know, it, it, it's really difficult when we, 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 we can't, uh, you know, we have such a preoccupation with these thoughts. That it's that it's so difficult to get around, and you know, I think you know, I think um, in my own world that sometimes I deal with uh, try to assist folks that have a, a obsessions of one sort or other. Um, there's a lot of people that might be um, <clears throat> like uh, germaphobes, you know, and uh, they may have an obsession to continually wash their hands, you know, uh, all day long, and they know their hands are clean. Uh, but nonetheless, that that obsession drives them back to that behavior. So that obsessed thinking drives them back again and again and again. And it's the absurdity of it is almost too much to bear, you know. And that's like my obsession to eat. It wasn't just that I had cravings at times that drove me back again and again. Sure, there were cravings. Um, but it was just this utter inability, even when I wanted to, to stay out of the binge foods. I would always be driven back like the germaphobe to wash my hands again. And sometimes to absurd levels, you know, you know, several times a day. And that's what we really have. And I think, you know, for me, looking at this is I had to really understand the nature of this obsession that it wasn't something that i could overcome without the help of a higher power no matter how much i wanted to overcome this of my own thinking it would be utterly impossible to do that i would need the help of a higher power and it was through these steps that I was enabled to become aligned with my higher power in a way that somehow removed this obsession that drove me back again and again and again. And that was the beauty of this, that was the the absolute beauty of this program. It was then and it is today. Thank God for this program. It's changed my life, transformed me, restructured me from, from the ground up. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. And thank you so much, Larry Kay. Just a gentle reminder to please, you know, um, mute your phone if you're not speaking because we can hear something in the background. And, you know, it's a little distracting to the one that's sharing. I'd appreciate that. We'd appreciate Thank you. Thank you. Raquel, it is your turn. <coughs> Raquel? Hi, Dennis. I just muted my phone when you made that, uh, that uh, comment. It was unmuted. So... Um, 
hi to all my dear community there and to Janice for doing the service. This jaywalker always captured my heart because because he's so helpless over what he's doing. I mean, look at these hospitalizations. I mean, I'd love to speak with him. What an example. I didn't think that, you know, I, I know about myself where that expresses itself, where I'm the jaywalker, but recently, I don't know whether I mentioned it, but somebody in NA asked me to come see his father in the hospital who had a, um, had a stroke because of diabetes, and they had to bring a lift to pick him up from the chair to the bed. And he's a wonderful gentleman, Swedish, yet, you know, I, I spoke with him English, and, and I explained to him things, and he just looked at me and smiled and said, you're a wonderful lady, and what you're saying makes sense. However, I would like to die with a piece of cheesecake in my hand, a nice size piece, preferably chocolate-coated. Oh, there was no chance, you know, and he'll continue, and his other children bring him all kinds of food he shouldn't have. Oh, I did my best. I did make a nice meal for him and for the lady who was taking care of him. And I came and we ate together and he saw that it was tasty, but, you know, nothing doing. So how bad can, does it have to get? For myself, what it was, I didn't set my timer, so dear Janice, please stop me when it's time. But uh, for myself, having wandered around in the United States uh, from one state to the other teaching and I would come in. What is the best way to get into a community than to invite people and be invited? And it always had to do with cooking and for me, baking spectacular things. I'm Hungarian. Hungarians, that's what they do. They live in order to eat and especially pastry. So I, I would come to a new community and I'd say, this time I'm not going to do it. I'll do it different. You know, I'll see, you know, whom I can become friends with and, and do something else with them. But I always found myself back in the kitchen until one friend asked me, Hey, Rachel, are you ever out except for teaching? Do you see that you're spending most of your time in the kitchen? I didn't see it. So the jaywalker doesn't see what he's doing. He should keep up the streets. I should have kept out of the kitchen, bought ready food. I don't know what. Thank you for being there. This really touches my heart. And thanks, all of you, for being my friends. And, and thank you, Raquel. Right on time. Bella G, it is your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful reading. And you know what? If I wouldn't be a compulsive overeater, and I wouldn't be there, I wouldn't understand this example. I would laugh and I would say, oh, what are you talking about? But, yes, I understand. We have been strangely insane. Yes, my obsession in the mind was insane. I really couldn't think straight. Before the program, I was very much afraid to live, to, to think about the future. I was very much anxious. I was very much angry, upset, disappointed at my past. And my present was food. 
I was thinking, I was, everything was food. The present was food. And really I didn't think. I didn't think as a girl. I remember I was like 12 years old. And my mother used to prepare supper for the whole entire family. And I used to come from school earlier and to eat almost everything. And I didn't think that, well, we will not have supper for the whole family because I ate everything. I couldn't understand how come when I am making my own food, I am using such a big amount of food and only for myself. And then when I got a little smarter and I was aware of what I am eating, I just ate the whole entire day a healthy food. And I didn't understand how come I am not losing weight. I am eating healthy, healthy food. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today I know I am powerless. And I am powerless because I am human. And today, yes, I know I am, I am a compulsive overeater. And as soon as I am putting my binging food, my alcoholic food, my mind is insane. Thank you, God. Today I am connected to a loving power, to an accepting power, and I don't have to be anymore into the food as a solution. Today my, the, the way of living the steps 24-7, I know that the food is not my solution. And today I learn to live the present because I am connected not to my ego, to my power. I am connected to a higher power, a loving and accepting power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. Okay, Vasa O, it is your turn. Yes, thank you. Good morning, Janice, for your service, and good morning, everyone. I'm Vasa O, Recover Compulsible Vita, calling from Florida. I remember when I read this story about the jaywalk, I'm saying, how crazy is he to be doing that, running to the street, on the street to get hurt, you know? But then I started relating with the obsession, you know, like the obsession, the alcoholic, and instead of the alcohol, I started putting the food. And uh, how powerless I felt uh, and how hard I tried to put the food down. And no matter how many times I did put it down, and my mind always went back to it. It was just it was crazy. It was really crazy. And the consequence um, that, um, uh, that, you know, that I suffered or I was beginning to suffer. I came in this program when I was 41 years old. So thank you, God, I was just, I came in time. And I saw the suffering that my mom did. It killed her. The disease killed her. And, and my brothers, that you know, the bypasses, the corroded arteries, I mean, it's just, it's so crazy, that blood pressure, the diabetes, uh, the, uh, the heart problems, and I was on the way. Believe me, if, I, if God did not bring, to, bring me into this program and, you know, and gave me, the, somebody gave me this big book and started reading the solution, I said, thank God, there's hope for me, you know, and uh, I, you know, again, this is a killer disease, and if you're still struggling, please don't leave. I thank God I did come for the vanity, 
in this program, you know. I stayed for the sanity. I remember my husband would say to me, Vasa, you eat only one meal a day. It starts in the morning. It doesn't end till 10, 11, 12 o'clock. Well, it was getting progressive. I would get up to go to the bathroom in the morning, 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock in the morning. I'd go in the refrigerator and get a little bit more. So it's a progressive disease. I'm so grateful. I found it just in time before it killed me. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Vasa. Oh, okay, we have Maureen. I, I don't have the first initial to your last name, Maureen. Good morning, Janice. It's Maureen M. Please go ahead. Thank you. I'm really grateful to be listening, and I'm grateful to be committed to listening every morning. And thank you for your service, because service is, is the key, at least to my um my uh, illness here, I am a compulsive, disordered eater um, and a sugar-addicted person. You know, the jaywalking thing I love because it's just, you know, I mean, someone looks at me wrong and I'm running out in front of a car. It's just, this is how my illness works. This is the mind, the obsession of the mind. Um I have to watch my mind. I can emotionally binge, and that that's a problem for me. Even like by the time I get to my food, I'm I'm like completely on another planet. I mean, it starts there, and it, for me, I'm really, really having a time. Um, and I just heard someone say there is a solution. I'm going to go back and study step two again and again and again. Because I'm I'm missing something. I'm I'm abstinent. Thank the rooms and thank this meeting in the morning. But this loving, unconditional power that's going to bring me through things and help me and and you know the mind boggling thing is I have been helped and I have been brought through things. I don't it's it's insane. I'm con- whenever something goes a little askew for me, I'm running to fear, like, like it's going to save me or something. And down I go, and into the quicksand I go, instead of running to a loving, a loving, accepting power that I just heard here this morning, who will restore me to sanity if I'm willing to do these steps. And I am willing to do these steps. I have just done one, two, and three. I'm working on four now. And I fear that something's going to happen. At some point, the relationship with my sponsor is going to deteriorate. And then I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to go. You know, I'm making uh, people my higher power now. And instead of the loving fellowship right now, the meetings, the readings, um, listening, listening. I'm afraid to go back. I don't want to be a jaywalker. I've been hit a couple of times. And I'm not going to wallow in emotional binges today. I'm not going to do that. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask God, whoever, to help me not to do that and reach out. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. And thank you, Maureen M., Okay, um, who else would like to share it for another three minutes? Okay. This is Melissa. This is Melissa. 
Reva P. Nancy Ara. We have Mary B. We have Charles H. We have Charles H. We have, is it Melissa C? Yeah. Oh. Uh, nope, can't hear you. <laughs> Melissa C. All right, hey. we have Melissa C. And whom else? Did you, did you hear Anita J? No, but I hear you now, hon. Anita J. <laughs> okay. Do you hear Nancy R. Nancy R. Nancy R. Reva P. Reva P. And Gail T. And, get, and we'll still have some more time, so don't worry about it. We will get see if we can get you all. We have some more time. So with the last one was Reva. Who was the last one? Reva P? No, Gail T. But the, was there a Reva before you? Yes. Reva P and then Gail There was. All righty. We got it. All right. Charles H., it is your turn. Thank you, Janice, for your service. Boy, I tell you, you you good. You better than good. Uh, Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. And, you know, I, I love I love the jaywalk. I've been jaywalking for years, man. And, you know, it's not, it's not a ridiculous illustration. You know, in order for me to have a breakthrough, you know, I had to break ground first before God could enter. I had to break ground, right? You know, Self-righteousness had to be broken up. You know, maybe a couple of bones had to be broken up. Um, ego had to be broken up. Pride had to be broken up. Fear had to be broken up. Inconsiderateness had to be broken up. I had to come to a decision, right? You know, sometimes not making a decision. You know what? Not even sometimes. I ain't going to go there with you. I'm going to keep it 100%, 100 proof real this morning. You know, not making a decision is actually making a decision, right? So, it, it, you know, ready, set, go, right? So, like, this is not a crazy illustration. Like, some things had to get broken. I don't know about you. My man Larry from, from, from Chirac always say, you know, we didn't come here on, on a winning streak. Because if I was winning, I wouldn't be coming here, right? You know, and some of you guys are, are, are the greatest, are the biggest losers and are winning one day at a time today. And it ain't about ego. It ain't about pride. Them things had to get broken up. We had to break ground in order to have a breakthrough, right? And that's why, you know, that's why we are all lions at the kill. You think I don't want to get on every day and share? Yeah, I do, but sometimes I, I got to allow others to say it. And I'd be like, yep, shaking my head up and down like a, like a bottle. But, 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 right, the breakthrough is this. If you're broken enough, you know, God will use all those pieces and put you back together as a masterpiece. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Charles H. Okay, Melissa C., you're up. Hi, good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what I really hear in this is that um, jaywalking, you know, um, the humiliation, the pain, um, that'd be enough for a normal person. You know, maybe you jaywalk once or twice and you get hurt and then you would learn from that. And um, and that's, you know, that has not been my experience with this disease. That's, you know, exactly the opposite. The more it seemed to hurt me, the more compelled I just found myself to do it over and over again. And, um, you know, I was thinking, on one hand, that, that the jaywalker is like a 
what an extreme example, you know. But, um, you know, a jaywalker will also say, well, I have to cross the street sometime. And, you know, that's, that's sort of how I use food. Well, I have to eat. And, um, you know, when I'm thinking about if you're a jaywalker and you're in recovery and you're recovered, you only cross the street at the crosswalk. You know, you only cross the street when the light is in favor. Um, and so that's, you know, sort of how I have to live with food. You know, yeah, I have to eat just like a jaywalker has to cross the street, but I have to eat with um, clear parameters. You know, I have to eat at the set time, in the set amount, in the set way. And the beauty is, is that being recovered, that's the way I want to live. You know, the desire to do anything different has been removed. And, and that's the key here, because the desire existed in my mind no matter how bad the consequences were. And I did suffer physical consequences. I was not able to get away with it. You know, I had um, this weekend, with two years that I've been recovered, that I've been free from confession. And, um, you know, when I when I eat my meals now, I, I eat my meals in the kitchen chair that has arms, because... This disease had me in a place where I didn't sit in my own armchairs in my own kitchen, and yet I would move another chair and shovel food down my throat because I didn't learn from my pain. Um, but I've been, you know, I've been re- rebuilt by um, a power greater than me, and thank you with that all down. And thank you, Melissa C. Okay, another gentle reminder to please stay muted. I hear somebody chopping. For the day. Okay, we're going to have Anita J. Please, it's your turn. Hello, thank you, Janice. Um, this is Anita J., a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater living out west of Boston. Um, I, I wanted to reference something in the doctor's opinion. Um, he's describing what we're going to become. Uh, that we're going to become credible, believable type people that um, when we say something, you can absolutely trust them. But of course, when you first, and when I first entered, that was not me. I did not know it. But I thought that's the most important thing to believe, but it wasn't. It's this. It's the most important thing is to realize I am that jaywalker. And the more I have believed it, the more the more um, I have bought in and have become, you know, a credible, believable human being. But the way I first entered was this way, not with the insanity of breaking his legs or his back, but with the, you know, when the guy was in the hospital, bandaged up in pain, I swear I'm positive he thought he would never do it again. When he was safe and protected where he's not making any decisions for himself. But the moment he got back outside, boom, crash, and even worse than before. So the thing is, I thought, well, when am I safe and protected? And I think, how many times, you know, you know, I was 41, too, I think. And, and you know, that was 38 years ago. I don't look it. 
But, I mean, the point is, how many times did I go crashing like that? They've been protected during the day because, say, for example, I was at work. Then I had to make a stop to visit somebody briefly to take them something or something like that. The moment I was alone again, all, all, all the alarm system was off and I went right to the food. Did I get that then? No, but I get it now. I cannot rely on busy work or anything like that. I have to rely on a power greater than myself who works when I'm all alone, just with me and God. It's an incredible program, folks. Uh, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize it. Yes, I am. I I saved myself. I didn't save myself. Forgive me. God saved me before I broke my back. But my part was to know he would do it and surrender. And with that, I passed. And thank you, Anita J. Okay, Nancy R., it is your turn. Hi, good morning. I'm Nancy R., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Uh, wow. Uh, I, I used to attend an, uh, an AA meeting years ago. There was an old timer who used to always say, more will be revealed. That was his, one of his favorite slogans. How true that, that has become for me. Uh, because when I first read this, um, uh, about the jaywalker, I, I, I could not identify. And I'd heard the story over and over and over. But uh, today I understand and identify absolutely. You know, jaywalking is against the law. Uh, in some cities you will be arrested and ticketed or ticketed, and uh, they consider it a serious offense. So, you know, laws, laws man-made or natural laws, are there for a certain reason, and when we go and when I go against them, there's a price to pay. And you know this uh, uh, this uh, example is so so is so uh, salient to me. When I go against my body, the physical laws my body has set down for me, Nancy, you can't handle sugar, you can't handle white flour, you can't handle certain substances. And if I dare go against them, I pay a terrible price. And the price is a return to hell, because that's what relapse is, a return to a literal, a figurative, a real hell. Um, I'm grateful for the type of life I live today, that I have been relieved. I no longer have to uh, try to go against those physical laws. I'm convinced without a doubt, that I, I'm powerless over certain things. So grateful that uh, today I have a relationship contingent that I do a certain things. I'm kept one day at a time. Thank you for letting me share, and thank you for your service today. And thank you for sharing, Nancy R. Okay, Reva P., it is your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto, I related to this story when I first read it, and I continue to relate to it because that was me. And I understand now and can put into words now, um, after working the program and studying this book, that I am a real compulsive overeater because in spite of the consequences 
I mean, I was a smart person in other areas of my life, but logic and knowledge um, has nothing to do with this disease. This is not a logical disease, because if it was logical, I wouldn't be here in the first place. Um, So in spite of the consequences and things getting worse and worse in all areas of my life, let alone physically, I woke up every morning and said, I'm not going to do this, and every night I was doing it. And I couldn't get through 24 hours without doing insane behaviors with food. Um, and it's the same with um, what I now know to be defects of character, anger, resentment, fear. You know, I can't will myself into putting the food down because if I could have, I would have, and then I wouldn't be here. And I can't will myself to let go of what I now know to be defects. And the only solution for a real compulsive overeater like me um, to drive out that obsessive, crazy, insane, illogical thought is to work the steps, remove the blocks to uh, what I now know to be a higher power and have access to a power greater than myself. So I've heard it said that instead of telling God how big the disease is, um, I show the disease how huge and powerful a higher power can be to drive out the obsession, and then food doesn't call to me, and the defects don't circulate in my mind over and over and over. I'm free, physically, mentally. With that, I pass. And thank you, Reva P. Gail T., it is your turn. Good morning, everyone. This is Gail T., and thank you, Janice, for your service. When I read that story, I knew that was me, you know, to the T. But what I want to talk about is an actual experience. When I was, like, in eighth grade, and I remember the boys would run out into traffic and scare drivers. I, I was there watching that, and one boy... I think got hit or almost got hit and the driver stopped and the driver came out of the car and was so shaken. So what comes up in this story, it's a somatic memory, it just came up was how the people who are in our lives or the people watching us in this distress feel when they see us jaywalking or how we imposition or put other people in harm's way when we're overeating. So I just wanted to mention that because it doesn't really come out so much in the chapter, but it's true. And I, right now, like 60 or, yeah, 60 or 59 years later, feel what that man was feeling really shook up because a jaywalker, um, he almost hit a jaywalker. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Gail T. Okay, we still have time. Who would like to share for about another three minutes? Gladys in Chicago. Okay, we have Gladys. We can Leia. have someone else and Leah M. Anybody else? Ify K. Susie K. Okay, see. The no, Ify K. Oh, Ify. Ify. Yes. Okay. Ify There we go. Okay, Gladys S. Gladys, what's your first initial to your last name? L. It is this. Okay, Gladys, go ahead. Good morning. Um, I wanted to share on that because I was just reading it, and I have read that many, many times. Um, 
uh, it was just interesting to me how it said at first when he first started it, it was a lot of fun. And I have to admit, you know, when I first picked up at the age of nine years old, all the way up to my middle 40s, eating was a lot of fun for me. You know, I just enjoy having big dinners and, you know, eating, being able to eat all that food. And I was exercising, and, you know, even though I was getting larger, you know, I exercised, I kept my stomach flat and, you know, everything able to keep my hair done and still, you know, functioning like. But, you know, after I had a surgery, and immediately after on my stomach, and then after the surgery, I couldn't exercise for six weeks. And I had planned to lose some weight when I go back to the doctor. But when I got back, I had gained 25 pounds. And I was up to my highest weight of 325 pounds with a big belly. And that's when I found uh, OA. And so then later on in the passage, he said he, he, he decided that he didn't want to do that anymore. And that's the way I did, too. I decided I didn't want to eat like that no more. But I, I couldn't stop, you know. And, I, I, and no matter what the consequences was, I just couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. You know, so at the end of the road here, uh, just about, you know, 50-some years later, I'm accepting that I have a problem, you know, with the food and that, you know, every time that I pick it up, I I, I pick up certain foods, I can't stop eating. And, And I have consequences with my body, my mind, and my spirit. Thank you for letting me share. And thank you, Gladys. Okay, Leah M., it is your turn. Thanks so much, Janice. On through the years, his conduct continues, accompanied by his continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Um, you know, I certainly identify in with the jaywalker. I mean, perhaps to some, you know, this... Um, you know, story seems absurd, but they're using the absurd to help spotlight the absurd. You know, it's a, it's a ridiculous story, but it's a very relevant story. It's my story. Uh, this progression, you know, as was just stated, from not wanting to stop jaywalking, from not wanting to stop binging, um, because it was just too much fun. You know, it was a it was a relief. It was a thrill, you know, to get everything I wanted and, and kind of sit isolated, whether it was in a movie theater or in a parked car, uh, you know, um, and binge my brains out until my eyeballs hurt. Um, and then it progressed to the point of not being able to stop due to this peculiar mental twist, this obsession of the mind. Um, and it wore me out. You know, it talks It talks. In that last paragraph, we who have been through the ringer have to admit if we substitute alcoholism for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly. Yes, I went through the ringer. I mean, this disease squeezed every little bit of life out of me. Um, it, it, it wore me out. The madness got so severe for me in my particular progression. And, of course, you know, I made promises, and I swore I was going to stop. And I sat in OA rooms, um, but a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. You know, and perhaps I can draw that same analogy uh, to this line. You know, there are hundreds that attend this meeting. 
uh, hundreds that identify in with the suffering and the uh, despair and the frustration and the bewilderment of compulsive overeating and hundreds who listen to the same words every day. And the big book and its clear-cut directions give every opportunity to arrest this illness and to give everyone on this line a whole new life. But (laughs) compulsive overeaters of my type, against all evidence, against all, uh, you know, guarantees in this book that you can be recovered, persist in saying, I'm not really like that, therefore I do not really need to do all these things that you're talking about. That's why the big book talks about this disease as cunning, baffling, and powerful. It's comic and tragic at the same time. What other disease do you know about where people will sit (laughs) and hear about a solution and not take action? Do you hear that regarding AIDS? Do you hear that regarding cancer? (laughs) Do people just sit and listen about chemotherapy and radiation and don't schedule an appointment? But yet that's the nature of addiction. (laughs) We'll sit and the progression will continue and the pain and the vice will continue to tighten around our necks. And we'll think and we'll say, you know what? I'm not looking to identify in. I'm looking to justify my departure. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M., Okay, Ify Kay, you're going to be our last one. Thank you. Hi, my name is Ify Kay from D.C. Um, thank you for all the great shares this morning. I just wanted to say that it's interesting that how progressive this disease is because I came in before uh, over the span of 10 years. I remember the lines that I would draw in the stand where I would say, well, I'm never going to be above 135 pounds. You know, two years later, I was, you know, 142 pounds. And I was like, I'll never be above 142 pounds. A couple of years later, 145, 151, 172, 189. And I think over time, the one thing that I was aware of was this wasn't normal behavior. Just like it says in the big book where it says you would expect him if he were normal to cut it off. And I couldn't cut it off. At the beginning of my disease, I was a highly functioning food addict. And at the end, I could barely get through a day with, with, with my focus intact. But yet I kept on and it was like, let's keep on going to the bitter end. And that's why I'm pretty grateful for program because all the self-knowledge didn't save me and I couldn't save myself. And it definitely wasn't willpower because I believe that addicts in general have tons of willpower. So that's not going to be the solution. So it's just amazing how we can just keep on walking. And if, if that's not absurd, then I don't know what is because I was that jaywalker and I identify with I identify indefinitely, but I'm feeling grateful for program. Thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Ify Kay. You know, I said the last one, but, you know, we have another hour. Isn't that wonderful? So I want to thank everyone who has shared, and uh, please join us for that second, our second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And we'll saunter H. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, certainly. Good morning, family. My name is Santa H. Calling in from Georgia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. 
if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. Teach you that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.